Are you working with toddlers or preschool age students who are autistic and not yet speaking? This will be a great episode for you to tune into today. This is the episode 134 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Griffin, and we have been doing an autism case study series. And this is our final installment. And I'm excited to share with you today a student that I started working with when they were around the age of two or three um, and I was their private speech therapist. So here in Northeast Ohio, I have a private practice called ABA Speech. And so we provide home-based therapy, which is really amazing for being able to build a rapport with clients, siblings, families. And I'm going to share with you today how my student who was diagnosed as being autistic was not yet speaking when I met him. Um, I worked with the student for two years and they were really flourishing, starting to um, talk in sentences and being able to participate in a variety of group activities. And it didn't start out that way. Things started out kind of rocky. Um, and the student was not really excited to engage in the activities that I had planned. But with the focus on joint attention, uh, it built such a nice foundation for the student. So I'm going to break this all down for you and step by step so that you can provide this instruction for your students or your own child at home. I can't wait for you to enjoy this episode of the Autism Outreach Podcast. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Welcome to episode 134 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Griffin, and this is a solo show. Gosh, I've had such a great time having these conversations with you. They feel a little one-sided, <laughs> but hit me up on Instagram. Let me know if you're liking these. It's always such a great feeling when you leave a review for the podcast. I know that takes a second on your part, but when you leave a review, it lets me know if you like this information, if you find it helpful. And it also, every time you leave a review, it helps my small business, ABA Speech, which I've been doing and focusing on this past year. And it helps get out this information to more people who can benefit from information about autism and communication. So this is our last installment of our autism case study series. And I've really enjoyed being able to highlight these cases to you. Um, it, working in the field for 20 years, I have helped hundreds and hundreds of students. Um, and there are always going to be cases or situations that really reinforce how using speech therapy and how using applied behavior analysis together can be such a um, powerful and life-changing uh, intervention for students. And here at ABA Speech, my goal is to help you as the provider and parent know that you can help each and every student find their voice. And the way that I disseminate all over social media and here um, in my courses and the podcast is by sharing these stories with you. So this is our last series in this case study series. And this is actually about a student who I met when he was two. Um, and just like any, this is a like maybe three years ago now, I received an email um, from a family who wanted speech therapy services. And here um, in Northeast Ohio, I do have a private practice that is called ABA Speech, and we serve students in Washington and Oregon through teletherapy, and we serve students here 
uh, as a private pay practice in the Cleveland area. And so I received an email um, from a family who said, you know, I have an autistic student. Um, we were given your name by so-and-so and we have a child who's not yet speaking and they need speech therapy services. And so I reached out to the parent and was actually really delighted to figure out that this student actually lived here in my hometown, um, which never really happens, never that easy. Um, and so I started to work with this student and this student, when I met them, was two years old um, and had been evaluated, uh, well, no, probably had just turned three, um, had been evaluated or was going to be evaluated um, by their local school district. But services were not going to be able to get started until the following school year, just with their eligibility and age and things like that. And so uh, uh, they got my name. And so I started to see the student um, and I started to provide speech therapy uh, once a week in the student's home. And so I'll never forget going to meet the student. And the student was um, very shy, um, was newly diagnosed with autism and was not yet speaking. Um, and so I want to share with you what assessments we used, what the team looked like, what our service delivery was, um, and how much the student's communication had grown as well. So when I first met this student, I went to um, their house. They um, came, no, they did not come to the door. Um, the parents came to the door um, and this student just held their little card, didn't say a word, didn't look at me. Um, and I really, this first session, I really just wanted to take time to meet with the parents, to get to know. Um, it was summer, so their siblings were home, and just to build a rapport with the family and also with the client. So some of the first things that we did on that first session, because I think that's the hardest thing is, okay, well, how do we even get started in intervention? So I utilized a lot of the information that I share in our Start Communicating Today course. Um, and this client really inspired me to do um, that course. So I have a five-hour course called Start Communicating Today, which is ASHA and ACE approved, but is also very parent-friendly too. We've had a lot of parents take that course. And it's how to get started in speech therapy, in communication programming for autistic learners who are toddlers and preschool aged. And so one of the things I did in that first session is I worked on joint attention using the three-pronged approach that I talk about a lot. And so how can we use music, how can we use books and how can we use play to work on joint attention and shared activities? And so I remember I had all my good stuff um, that I was hoping that my student would love and enjoy. Um, and so one of the first things we did is I have a song chart um, for Wheels on the Bus. Love Wheels on the Bus because you're working on a song with motion. So it lends itself to that social engagement, but also lends itself to working on imitation, which I love. And so I got out my best singing voice and um, started in, you know, the wheels on the bus go round and round. I'm doing all the motions. Um, and my student was with me for about 15 seconds and then kind of left the area and then didn't really engage that much in that activity. So I'm, you know, taking notes on my data sheet, like, okay, kind of liked it, but you know, I'm providing therapy in the home, which if you've done home-based therapy, it's a little tricky, right? Because family's home, they have all their favorite things there. It's just a different type of environment. Um, so then I do Pete the Cat next. 
That's one of my favorite books. If you're on my Instagram, ABA Speech by Rhodes, you know I talk about Pete the Cat a lot. Um, And so I did information and I talked about Pete the Cat. And I started with the book and made it exciting. And I signed book and I signed cat. And same thing. I think he stayed with me for maybe two pages. And then he was like, this isn't very fun. Um, one of the things that the student really did love and enjoy that first session was, um, bubbles. So we tried music, we tried a book, and then we tried a toy. And so we did bubbles and bubbles are so fun. I think sometimes bubbles are underrated. Like we're thinking, oh, this, there has to be, we have to have this very fancy sensory bin that's thematic and things like that. It's just not true. It's a lie. Um, so we did we did bubbles and the student really, really loved those bubbles so much. And so that was really kind of our first session. And then I talked to the parents and said, hey, um, you know, we're we're gonna work on joint attention, we're working on shared engagement. Um, this particular student was receiving ABA services. And because I'm a speech therapist in a BCBA, I knew the speech that I mean, I knew the BCBA. Uh, who he was working with. She actually had worked with me um, in my other business, Supervision Academy, where we provide remote supervision for people becoming BCBAs. So I was, this is a colleague of mine. And so um, I got permission from the parents to talk with the BCBA. Um, And because he was new to those services, they had just done a very thorough VBMAP assessment for the student. And so I used that VBMAP assessment and just getting to know the student to help develop goals for the student. And so uh, a really big focus for this student was on joint attention. That was really like our main focus because he was so very young and I wanted to be utilizing naturalistic developmental behavioral interventions. So structured yet child-led with a focus on joint attention. And so that is really what we worked on a lot. Now, um, the parents were also working with another speech-language pathologist, and that speech-language pathologist um, was putting the child in a height chair and strapping the child into a height chair. Um, And they shared that with me. And this was a speech therapist who was working for a major hospital system in my area. Um, I did not know the speech therapist. Um, And I told the parents, you know, that's not how I do things. I would never, ever restrict a child's movement. That really is not best practice. Um, And I'm not going to do that. Um, So, they stopped working with that speech therapist. They started to see how, you know, the next session I came over and the next session, the next session, the student was engaging more and more. And they were so excited. You know, they would come and greet me at the door. They would, um, the next time we did wheels on the bus, I'll never forget. You know, he did like the baby crying. The baby goes, wink, wink. And he did the motion for the crying, which was very, very exciting spontaneously. And so I was really talking and using parent coaching um, to let them know, hey, this is a really great foundational skill um, for your child. We definitely talked about joint attention a lot because you know, probably after the fourth session, they did say to me, you know, when are you going to start working on talking? Um, Because I was not, I repeat, I was not working on structured verbal imitation when I first met the student. I wasn't holding up items and saying, apple, baby. You know how some people move into that therapy voice? Don't do that. Just please 
please don't do that. We all have done it in the past, but analyze your, don't use the therapy tone. Um, but I did talk with the parents and I said, you know, these are what we're working on. I utilized my expertise. I've talked with the BCBA. I've looked at the VB map assessment, done my own informal assessment and really, and I'm able to do those things because my private practice is, um, private pay. Okay. So I did not have to do a standardized assessment to turn in for insurance authorization for um, sessions. So utilizing all that information and coming up with my own goals and developing goals on joint attention. So we had a goal for joint attention um, to look at using books, music, play, and increasing the level of engagement. We also worked on some requesting. We worked on imitation. So I would have two different items and we would imitate, he would imitate me using the items. We would work on leisure skills together. Um, and then eventually through play, he was starting to spontaneously communicate. Um, I'll never forget his first word. So it was probably his fourth session. And I just, I feel like this is a speech therapist thing. So I had like a bag and then I had a mini object of a shoe. Um, I have this really cool, um, language builder lotto that is from Lakeshore and it has mini objects, but you can get mini objects anywhere. And I had this mini object and I put it in a bag and I went, shake, shake, shake. Ooh, I wonder what's in the bag. Um, and he opened the bag up and took out the item and his first spontaneous word um, was shoe. And it was the coolest little thing. He opened it up. He said shoe. He looked at his mom. Um, she gave him a big hug and we were like, wow, he said shoe. Um, I can't believe it. This is absolutely amazing. Um, it was so cool to hear his first word. Um, and then after that, we just continued to continue working on joint attention and we continued to work on verbal imitation through play-based activities. So I would have a mini object and it would be hidden and he would find it and he would look at it and he he would just label it. He had a lot of knowledge. He just was slow to start using his words on his own. And so by working on these foundational skills of imitation, of matching, of manding, requesting, of joint attention, a heavy, heavy focus on joint attention and shared activities, his language started to blossom. And the way that I worked on joint attention is I would, so I would see the student every single week. I saw him in his home. His parents were present. So every week I would see him, our sessions are 45 minutes. So our instruction was about 35 minutes. And then at the end, I would take 10 minutes and I would write a note and I would provide parent coaching and answer any questions for parents. And they were new to navigating a special education system. And they're right here in my hometown. So, you know, I know people that work in the district. I was able to give them like very specific advice. Um, and I knew the ABA provider. So that was really cool too, because over the course of two years, we were able to have um, probably quarterly, she would come to the home while I was doing speech and we would go over progress notes. I would generalize their progress notes that they were giving me. We would talk about his communication and his programming. And um, it was really great to have that collaborative um, 
focus. That definitely helped. And his parents, um, my friend, Dr. Mary Barbera used to have some marketing that said that her courses were for gung-ho parents. And um, these parents were gung-ho. They were very into learning about applied behavior analysis, learning about speech therapy, learning about how to provide those services to help their child. Um, so it was really amazing to see his communication grow. And it just, once he started, once he said shoo, then it was like every session, it was like, he he was a little more engaged with the song. He was a little more engaged with the book. He was a little more engaged with the leisure activity. Then, and the thing I want to point about that too, and I talk about and start communicating today, which I'll put in the show notes, which is our five-hour Ashley approved and ACE course on how to get started in communication with early learners, is that I would bring a book. So that first day I bring wheels on the bus. So we typically do a book and the song and a game for three weeks in a row. And this is not from a journal article, okay? This is from my practice in, in the field the past 20 years, being one of less than 500 speech therapists and BCBAs in the world, is that I think the first session we use Pete the Cat and we're saying, okay, this is Pete. Isn't he fun? Look at his shoes. It's a great book. Um, and you're just kind of like saying, do you like this? I mean, you don't have to say that out loud, but in your mind, you're like, does he like it? Does she like it? Um, and then session two, they're like, oh, Okay, Pete the cat. I see him. He's walking in his shoes, and maybe they sign shoes or they say shoe. And then the third session, you use Pete the cat, and they're really able to engage <clears throat> in a more meaningful way. Not even meaningful. I don't even mean to say that word. I just mean they're able to engage more. Okay, so first session is kind of a baseline. Do they like this game? Do they like this book? And then by the third session, they're like, okay, I like this. And then what's nice too, because I was practicing in my practice, we have a lot of contact with parents because we're providing therapy in the home. Um, then sometimes parents will be like, oh, maybe we'll get that at the library or maybe we'll buy that for their birthday um, if they like it. So then it's nice because you're modeling communication as well which I love. Um, and so that was really how our sessions went on. And then for the first year, and then really the second year, he was really learning a lot of skills. Um, the other thing that was really interesting about this particular um, student is then he was getting outside ABA, um, well, he was getting ABA services. I was collaborating with ABA. I was a speech therapist. He was also getting occupational therapy as well. Then year two, he was starting to go to his public school for preschool. And they decided to do a modified schedule. So he was going maybe two days, and I can't remember exactly. He was going maybe two days to uh, preschool. And then the other days he was going to ABA. And then on one of the days, I would see him for speech therapy. Um, and so they were putting together this nice cohesive program for the student, very collaborative, where the BCBA would go to the school, uh, would get input. Um, and it was really amazing. From the time that I saw him when he didn't come to the door, he didn't say hi. To the end of the two years when I um, stopped seeing him, he started going then full-time in his school. Um, and he would greet me and say, hi, hi, Miss Rose, bye. It was amazing to see that little voice. I, these are the things that just light me up and still excite me to be a speech therapist um, and still really excite me to disseminate about ABA. Um, even though it can be hard to be an online business owner and talk about ABA as a speech therapist, um, because there is such a divide between speech therapists and BCBAs, which is very, very sad. Um, but that's why I'm really driven to tell these stories, to share these case studies with you using speech therapy and applied behavior analysis to see this student go from a student who didn't greet me, didn't come over to the door, didn't say hi to me, um, to somebody who was engaging in Pete the Cat. You know, we brought that book out a year after 
after I had first brought it and he was able to, you know, sing along. Wow. Wow. W-O-W exclamation point. That is the power of a robust collaborative intervention. Um, It was amazing to see his growth. And really, you know, I was doing, I did this free PD giveaway earlier this year, um, which was so cool. And if you're not on my email list, please get on there, abaspeech.org. Sometimes people just email me and say, can you put me on the list? Um, Because I share different things, trainings and all these things. But anyway, I did this free PD giveaway. And so a couple of school districts and clinics won a free talk by me. Um, And so one of the parents, um, one one of the... um, therapist rather was a preschool-based therapist. And they said, well, you know, how do you talk to parents about working on joint attention? Because sometimes parents may be hyper-focused on talking. Um, And, you know, I had Carrie Ebert on, I think, episode like four of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I can't remember, but it was one of my first 10 episodes. And she said, you know, there's a lot of foundational skills that we need to address. Um, And now, you know, 44-year-old me feels comfortable talking and dialoguing with parents about what research tells us. And it says that we really, yes, we can work on verbal limitation. Yes, we can work on those things in a naturalistic play-based way. But we really want to build this nice foundation of joint attention using books, music, and play. Um, That's that three-pronged approach that I've been discussing. And it really lays a foundation for joint attention, which we know is going to help our students develop a way to communicate with the world, which is going to help them increase their communication skills. So I hope that you feel inspired by this. I am going to be sharing more information about early learners. Um, We did a talk this year about naturalistic developmental behavioral intervention, sometimes called NDBI. And so I'm going to be talking about that a lot more um, this next year. Um, And if you're listening, um, you know, and if you're on my email list, you may know, um, in the fall, I am launching to the public a community membership that is all about autism and communication. Um, There are CEUs involved. You also get to meet with me once a month and just a community of like-minded, positive, collaborative people. It's called the ABA Speech Connection. Um, So you can always reach out to me via email if you want to join early. There's about 30 of us in there now. Um, And I've just invited members who have been taking courses, um, who have taken my larger courses, um, to get a feel for what this is going to be um, come fall, which is very, very exciting. But I'm going to be talking about these types of things in the membership. So I hope that this is helpful information for you. I will today in the show notes um, include some of the links that I have discussed here today. Um, And the one link that is so very important is Start Communicating Today. That's our five-hour ASHA and ACE-approved course that is all about how to help toddlers and preschool-age students start communicating now. So I will put that in the links. I hope that you will join us in the course. It has been amazing to share that information. I go deeper on these types of topics. Um, I love helping learners of all ages. Um, And it's been great if you've been with me and listening to the Autism Case Study Series, leave me a review. Let me know, did you like this? Was this helpful? Do you like solo shows? Um, I like having these conversations. And I love when you send me a message on Instagram or send me an email. Um, because sometimes when you have an online business, it's like, hello, 
Is anybody out there? Is this helpful for you? Um, so I need that reinforcement and praise um, or feedback. You know, sometimes people will say like, oh, that was, I didn't like that. Um, and that's fine too, because I like that critical feedback and I like to have those conversations. I always say you're my virtual coworker. So make sure that you hop on a live webinar that is coming soon. I hope that you will perk your ear up, join my email list so that you can join our ABA speech uh, connection community that is coming at you in the fall. It is my new project and something that I'm so excited to be doing um, now with a select group of people um, and am opening up to the public uh, soon. So thanks so much for being here and remember to keep things fun and functional and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.